We've been doing a series, uh, taking a journey, a saint's life uh, from the rapture on. So we've been looking at uh, the time frame really of what many people would call the end times and then the things that are to come, but not from what's going on in the earth, but really rather from what's going on in the life of a saint, one who has received Christ, one who knows Christ. So go ahead and put the time. Oh, there it is. Praise the Lord. And so we've been journeying along this timeline and really uh, we started in Jesus' life uh, and, and then talked about basically the Holy Spirit and then everybody that... Uh, lives in the church age, all the things that are to come. Uh, we went into the marriage supper of the Lamb, the things that happened in the seven years that were in heaven. Uh, talked about the battle of Armageddon. And now we're in this 1,000 year reign of Christ, the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, we started that last week or maybe the week before. But tonight we're going to finish up uh, in the millennial reign and then we're going to head over into the last phase where what you see is eternity and we're going to talk about some things there, the new heaven, the new earth, some things that we can glean in what will be eternity. And that's all we know is that then it will be eternity. And so I'm going to tell you tonight at the end about the two theories uh, of what they are, of what eternity will be like. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, but it's going to be an exciting night tonight, so I hope you brought your Bible. Praise the Lord. we got a lot of Scripture reading to do. And do remember, I've said it before, but uh, all of the Scriptures will be posted online with the message. And then also, as you're studying this out, uh, you do have to realize I've already studied it out, and so when I'm giving you the Scriptures, I know what time frame we're in. You know, was this Scripture talking about uh, the thousand-year reign? Or was this Scripture talking about uh, the rapture? Was this Scripture you're talking about the new heaven and the new earth. But when you're studying, you may need to take a journey, a, sm a slight, you know, go back uh, so that you can see where it's at. Uh, but we're going to pick up tonight uh, where we left off last Wednesday in talking about the millennium. Now remember in the millennium, uh, Jesus has come back to the earth with all of the resurrected saints, everybody that was in heaven uh, for the marriage supper of the Lamb and all the things that went on in heaven. And then we come back to the earth for the battle of Armageddon. Uh, there's the, the judging of the nations or the people uh, as sheep or goat and then they're brought into the millennium. And last week we talked about uh, the whys of the millennium. Why is it important that we have this dispensation? In other words, what, what are some things that God wanted to do, uh, that God needed to accomplish according to Scripture, according to promises that He made? And so we talked about that last week, and then we also began to talk about uh, some of what I call the what's of the millennium, or maybe the how. In other words, these things that God needed to get accomplished. How was He doing that? And so last week we talked about uh, one of the things was that the Lord, uh, this is the thousand years where the actual kingdom of God, which is now a spiritual kingdom that's in our heart, now becomes a physical kingdom in the earth with the Lord Jesus Christ reigning. And so one of the things that happens in the millennium is that uh, we restore a righteous government on the earth. In the earth, we actually restore a righteous government. We talked last week about how that government would be worldwide, uh, how the hub of the government uh, would come from Jerusalem or out of Israel, and then it would be a theocratic government, which is really what every Christian today wants, uh, and we don't really get into the millennium uh, period, uh, which is it is a government that is governed and ministered by direct, immediate uh, 
placement of God Himself. So it's God, Jesus, and then all the resurrected saints are ruling and reigning with Him. We talked last week about how King David will have a place in that, uh, specifically with the nation of Israel and the natural people that are living. And then also uh, the 12 apostles, uh, the 12 elders will be involved in that. We talked last week about how there will be a universal religion. Uh, We talked about last week how there will be universal peace in the land. Hallelujah. So let's pick up tonight and talk about the fact that there will be civil and religious laws for all nations or all peoples. And so turn with me to Isaiah chapter 2. We're going to start reading in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. Isaiah 2, we're going to start actually in verse 2. And we're going to read 2 through 4. Now it shall come to pass in latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and He will teach us His ways, and we shall walk in His paths. So see that? There's going to be a teaching of the ways of God and the paths of God. For out of Zion, that's Israel, really Jerusalem at this point, shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations. Look at that. Now remember the devil is bound in the thousand year reign. Natural people are living in the earth. We've covered all this. But it says he shall judge between the nations. Reminding you again that nations in many of these scriptures in this time or dispensation refers to peoples. So it's not judging nations on a national level. It's judging peoples within nations. And rebuke many people. And they shall beat their uh, swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. You can also read another scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24 through 28, that talks about that you can see that there are going to be civil and laws that are going to come forth. Uh, The law of the land is going to come and there's going to be judgment and execution according to those laws. Those laws are going to bring perfect righteousness and a perfect justice basically for all people. So it will be required as to remain in the kingdom that is physically in the earth. During that period, people will have to obey Christ. They'll have to obey the resurrected saints and the laws uh, that are given. Uh, Let's turn here to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. Just showing here how the establishment of this government and people required to basically come up under. It says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So in the natural people that are living in the earth, uh, there is what I would call a proving out for them. It's a proving out time for them to remain uh, as, as uh, subjects that are worthy to remain in the kingdom of God at that time. And so justice and judgment are going to be met out to all people uh, in that time period. Turn over with me to Isaiah 11. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 3 through 5. 
His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Isn't that interesting? See, because a lot of people think once we get in the millennium and the devil is bound, it just seems like everybody should be doing the right thing and we're just going to be floating around in this wonderful... But it still seems that there are going to be wicked people and wicked things that are going on. Verse 5, Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Turn with me over to Micah chapter 4, verse 3. Micah chapter 4, verse 3. It says, He shall judge between many peoples and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against another nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Isn't that very interesting? A same phraseology that we saw from a different prophet in a different time frame. Hallelujah. Now who was going to be, uh, who was going to be executing judgment? Who was going to be making sure that people are obeying the laws will be us. Because, you know, we've heard for so many years that we are going to rule and reign with Christ. Hallelujah. And we will be ruling and reigning. And this is one thing that we will do. Uh, so turn with me over to Psalm 149. And let's take a look at this. Psalm 149, verse 6. So the saints are going to be the ones that will execute the law of the land. I want you to know that in this government, we, all of us that are ruling and reigning, are not going to just be sitting in the city just as kings and priests, like on a little throne We're actually going to be working. You have to realize when, Adam, when God created the earth, He put Adam in it. Adam had an assignment and it was to work. It was to tend to the earth, to tend to the garden. And so we are going to be working. And that's why I tell people many times today, it's, it's like the things that we are doing here are preparing us. Because it's going to be a real government that's, that's run. And so there will be many positions. There will be many things to do. Uh, Psalm 149, verse 6 through verse 9. And we want to set ourselves up now where we can prove to the Lord that we're faithful with what He gives us. You know, I believe that today even maybe you can earn promotion as to where you'll be, uh, what you'll be ruling and reigning in eternity that is to come. We certainly don't want to be getting demoted. The Lord, the Lord having original intent for us and giving us this and then us not be able to manage that. Uh, so that's again why, why it's important that we're, we're living uprightly, giving it our best, living as unto the Lord. Even as we work, we work as unto the Lord. We do it excellently. We don't do it just to get by because we're in the earth and I have a job and I just want to do it to make some money. No, we are doing it as unto the Lord. Everything that we are doing in this life... Everything from the moment we get up, how we treat people, what we're doing at work, our attitude, it's as unto the Lord. And it counts one day. So let's look at this in Psalm 149, verse 6. It says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth, that's referring to us, and a two-edged sword in their hand, 
to execute vengeance on the nations or the peoples and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all his saints. Praise the Lord. This is an honor. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And then in 1 Corinthians, turn with me over there to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Hallelujah. So it's not everybody coming before Jesus to be judged. It's everyone coming before the righteous saints who are ruling and reigning as the kings and the priests of God under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now remember in this dispensation we talked about it, uh, that people can live forever. uh, And so it seems here that because we're hearing things about the wicked and the wicked being judged and slayed, uh, we have to know that uh, the Bible says here in some of these passages that they will be judged and they will die. Those that don't submit will be destroyed. Now there's many scriptures that prove all this out. I'm just going to give you a couple tonight. Uh, Isaiah 60, verse 12. Now this is again in the dispensation when you prove this out. We're in the dispensation of the millennium. It says, For the nation and the kingdom which will not serve you shall perish, and those nations shall be utterly destroyed. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11. Don't turn there. We already read this, so I'm just going to read it to you again. But again, proving it says, But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips. He shall slay the wicked. And so what we have to see here is that the... uh, We talked about several weeks back that already at this time frame, uh, the first resurrection has happened, right? Where all of the saints that were in Christ were resurrected. Everyone got their glorified bodies. Do you remember that? But what has not yet happened in this dispensation at this time in the millennium is what is called the resurrection of the dead, okay? And so this is the setup because there has been no resurrection of the dead people that are still uh, disobeying, people that are deciding they don't want to be ruled by Christ uh, or being slayed and dying, they have to die and then position themselves for the resurrection of the dead which is to come. And I'll talk a little bit more about that tonight. Uh, But now I want to move on here and talk about something in this worldwide government that's going to happen. Uh, We already said there will be universal religion. There will be universal peace. Another great thing that's going to be in the millennium is that there will be universal prosperity. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, There's going to be some really good things going on. I'm not going to read this part. I'm going to get further down and read some things. But I want you to make note in your notes of Isaiah chapter 60, verse 5. Actually, I do want to read that one. Turn with me there, Isaiah 60, verse 5. Isaiah 60, verse 5. It says, The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Now, this is talking about us that are in the city. But the wealth of the Gentiles. So what we're going to see in the earth in this dispensation, you can see more about it in Isaiah 65, verse 21 through 23, is that there is going to be basically universal prosperity. We have to remember that even now today, we know that the work of the cross redeemed us from sin, sickness, and 
sin, sickness, and poverty. Uh, that the cross made provision already uh, that we would have no lack. And so this is a further, this is just a further proof for people that struggle today with the message of prosperity. And I'm not talking about a man's prosperity or a prosperity that's off tilt. I'm talking about biblical prosperity which is that God said He's going to meet your needs and more than your needs. You're going to be blessed so that you can be a blessing and that we all need to be believing that. We all need to be, uh, get settled on that, that prosperity is not a bad thing, that prosperity is God's idea and that all of us need to basically be using our faith so that we can be redeemed from lack. We don't have to go without. Uh, you don't have to be, uh, you know, nothing like your family history or anything like that should be affecting that because this is a promise made to all believers. And so this is part of what we can pull into this dispensation uh, is to be redeemed from poverty, uh, pro poverty uh, to live in prosperity, but we can't pull it in on a broad level. It's, it's an individual person that we do by our faith. But let's look at this. I want to talk about a couple of things in this category. Um, the financial system here that's going to rule in the earth will be uh, as according to Israel. And so you can read about that in Genesis chapter 28 verse 22. A lot of other scriptures tell it. But that would make sense being that Jerusalem is going to be uh, the hub or we could say the capital of the world. Uh, tonight I want to talk about the transfer of wealth. Has anybody ever heard that term? That the uh, wealth of the, uh, the sinner is laid up for the just. Anybody ever heard that? That the wealth of the sinner is actually a scripture. Turn with me over to Proverbs 13 so that we can see that. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Proverbs 13 verse 22. It says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Uh, now this, this is in Proverbs, and really when you're reading this particular portion of the Scripture, you don't really know in what dispensation this is talking about. Uh, but I'm going to prove to you tonight that this promise or this uh, reality that we see of the wealth of the wicked coming into the hands of the just is a millennial dispensation truth. And the reason I say that is because, uh, you know, I've been at this a little while. I've lived in the kingdom a little while. And I've been through a lot of seasons in the body of Christ. And sometimes this gets to be bigger than other times. It's also bigger with certain groups than other groups, it seems. But this whole thing that at any moment, they're thinking that the wealth of the wicked is going to come into the hands of the just now. And so there's been things, there's been activities in the earth and people are talking about it and they're exercising their faith for it. But I just want to tell you from the scriptures, I cannot see any place other than in the millennium that on this broad scale like this, where the wealth of the wicked comes into the hands of the just. So again, all of us can prosper in this day and in this age, be redeemed from lack. Uh, there might be times where uh, the Lord does something for you, where something of, of, of people that aren't righteous it ends up coming into your hands. But on a, on a worldwide or on a, a very broad basis, uh, I don't see this happening. So turn with me over to uh, Zechariah 14, 14. And I'm just going to prove this out to you just so that you can, you can know this. Now Zechariah 14, this entire chapter is dealing with end time events. 
which we know is not in the church age. End time events are not in the church age. They do not start until the rapture takes place of the church. Uh, but Zechariah 14, 14 says this, that Judah also will fight at Jerusalem. That really refers to the battle of the Armageddon. And the wealth of all of the surrounding nations shall be gathered together, gold, silver, and apparel in great abundance. So we can see that in some connection with the battle of Armageddon and everything that's happening, now remember that's when Christ comes, so then he takes over. And you can see here that there is going to be all of the wealth of all of the nations is going to be gathered together, you know, just like when the Israelites left out of, out of Egypt. Remember they had been in bondage all that time and, and the Lord said, I'm going to repay them back for all those 400 years that they worked and weren't paid. And they actually went from house to house, it said, and gathered up all of the silver and the gold and everything that was of the Egyptians and brought it with them. Hallelujah. And so we're going to see this again in this millennial reign. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 26. It says, For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight, but to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. So what you need to understand is that this word sinner here doesn't really refer to sinner as in what we're thinking of a sinner, one without Christ. It's really referring to one uh, that is natural and not living in the city or in the kingdom of uh, the a holy city uh, in the time of the kingdom. So this is talking about people, the natural people that are living out the natural, even the saints, even those that are loving God, obeying the laws, they're living outside the city. Uh, they're referred to as the natural people and they will actually be working and they will be working for the kingdom. And so at least once a year, I can prove from Scripture, it may be more often, but once a year they are actually required to come up into the city uh, and bring representatives and bring of their abundance, bring of their offerings uh, to the Lord and bring them into the city. So again, uh, everything that they're putting their hand to and they're working for is, is for the kingdom of God and it will be gathered up and come into our hands. Praise the Lord. Turn with me to Isaiah 60. Now notice here that we're in three books, Zechariah, Ecclesiastes, and Isaiah now. Isaiah chapter 60. We're going to read verses 5 through 7 and verse 11. And then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy. This is talking about us. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you, the multitude of camels shall cover your land, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring golden incense. They shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you. And the rams of Nehoboth uh, shall minister to you. They shall ascend with the acceptance on my altar. And I will glorify the house of my glory." Verse 11, Therefore your gates shall be continually open, and they shall not be shut day nor night, that men may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles, and that their kings in procession. Hallelujah. So we can see that there is, this is going to happen, and I just want to say it, you know. Uh, I'm going to say it. Yes, I'm going to say it. That uh, in this dispensation, there will be no tithe and offering robbers. That will not 
be judged and punished. This is a severe thing to the Lord. And you can see that even in His kingdom where He's ruling and reigning, that people are to do money right. And if they don't do money right, they will not be following the laws of the land and they will be judged and swiftly executed if they cannot get in line. So this is just a reminder to us today that we do not want to be caught in the category of robbing God with our tithes and our offerings. It's important. And that's all God's asking for is, is His tithe which belongs, it's holy and belongs to the Lord. And then whatever offerings He asks of us, whatever He puts upon our heart, whatever He requires of us, that's all the Lord asks. Hallelujah. Uh, but we need to get the money thing right today. We need to get it right today. We need to see money as for what it is. It's a tool in the kingdom. We're not to be scared of money. We're not to be scared of having money. But we don't want money to have us. That's the key. Is that, that we understand that really everything belongs to the Lord. And so we're just His vessel. Uh, but it is true that in this dispensation uh, that the wealth of all of those outside of the city are going to come in. Uh, let's look at... I'm just going to give you these scriptures tonight. I'm not going to... Well, let me read another one from that, from that same category. Isaiah 61.6. Turn with me there. Talking about the wealth of the Gentiles coming into our hands. Isaiah 61.6. But you shall be named the priest of the Lord, and they shall call you the servants of our God, and you shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Hallelujah. So we can definitely see that this is going to happen. Uh, we just don't see it happening on a broad scale uh, until the millennial time, and then it will be perpetual. And so uh, there are many blessings that will fill the earth during the millennial time. I'm not going to read those scriptures tonight. I'm going to give you, I'm just going to quote some of them uh, so that when you get to this part of reviewing, you'll know where to look these scriptures up. But these are some. Now remember, when you're reading the blessings as in the Bible, uh, these were not written really in our time frame. So you have to understand what a big blessing some of these things really are. Like when it was talking about camels a while ago, we have no reference of that. We're thinking, oh, a few camels. But in some lands, camels are extremely valuable. Uh, and so we have to put this in perspective when you read it. But let me give you some of those scriptures. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 23 through 24. Isaiah 41, verse 19. Isaiah 49, verse 9 through 10. Isaiah 51, verse 3. Ezekiel 34, verse 27. Uh, Joel chapter 3, verse 18. And Amos Chapter 9, verse 13. I like bringing them out from several different books again because you can see how amazing it is uh, that God spoke these things and revealed these things uh, of things that were to come in the future to different people at different dispensations which did not know each other, but yet they used the same phraseology and many times it's just amazing. Hallelujah. Uh, so we can see that this is going to be a wonderful time in the earth of just a abundance and goodness. And then let's go ahead and go, uh, move on here. Uh, there will be a further restoration in the earth. We've already talked about the fact that as the kings and priests, we will be teaching and preaching, bringing the good news of Jesus Christ. 
uh, as well as all the laws of the land. So salvation in its fullness will be available to people. I'm just going to read this scripture here in Isaiah 52, uh, verse 7 and verse 10. And again, you have to go back and look at, at when, uh, what time frame we're talking about here. But this is a scripture we use very often. It says, How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. And the Lord, and then verse 10, The Lord has made bare His holy arm in the eyes of all the nations or all the peoples and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. And we can see that this is important that people uh, are, are told of Jesus, of who He is, of what He's done, so that they have a right, uh, the opportunity in their heart to get on the right side. Because we know at the end of this dispensation that the devil is going to be loosed for a short time. So we are uh, continuing to spread uh, the gospel of the good news. Now one thing that I do not see, uh, and I'll mention this here, <clears throat> I, I can't say this is 100%. Uh, I'm just telling you that from the scriptures I can't see it. And so uh, it seems to me that in, this, in the millennial reign, I don't see where any of the natural saints, so the people that crossed over, uh, from the tribulation, uh, were judged as a sheep and entered into uh, the millennial reign. Uh, those that are born during the millennial reign, because again, it's a thousand years, people are living forever, people are believing in Jesus. Uh, but I don't see anywhere in the millennial reign where the natural saints ever get a glorified body. And I think that the reason, my personal opinion of why I think that that might be the case. I can't find it anywhere in the scripture. And the reason I think it might be the case is because at the end of this dispensation, the devil again does uh, get loosed. And so people have a chance to rebel again. And there's already been the resurrection for life. The resurrection of the living. So there's no further resurrection. Uh, it's only a resurrection of the dead that affects their body. So I think that that might be why. But anyway, let's close out uh, the millennial reign here just be, as a reminder, remembering that the Garden of Eden, the conditions, the goodness, the blessing, the abundance, no more tears, no more sorrow. It's just going to be a wonderful time. Uh, the Lord is going to make sure that. Uh, I want you to go ahead and pull up, if you can, for me, uh, Psalm 72. Find Psalm 72 in your Bible. Uh, Psalm 72 is a millennial dispensation. And I'm actually going to read all of Psalm 72, and I'm going to read it from the back back there uh, up on the wall. But I just want you to listen to this, how wonderful. It says, uh, Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. Keep going. Yeah. He will judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. The mountains will bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy. He will break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear you as long as the sun and the moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the grass before mowing, like showers that water the earth. And in his days the righteous shall flourish and the abundance of peace until the moon is no more. 
He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Those who dwell in the wilderness will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and the Isles will bring presents and the kings of Sheba and Sabah will offer gifts. Yes, all the kings shall fall down before him and all nations shall serve him. Hallelujah. For he will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and him who has no helper. He will spare the poor and the needy, and he will save the souls of the needy. He will redeem their life from oppression and violence, and precious shall be their blood in his sight. And he shall live, and the gold of Sheba will be given to him. Prayer also will be made for him continually, and daily he shall be praised. There will be an abundance of grain in the earth and on the top of the mountains its fruit shall wave like Lebanon and those of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun and men shall be blessed in him and all nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel who only does wondrous things. And blessed be His glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The whole earth is going to be filled with the glory of God. Corner to corner. Place to place. All people able to participate in the glory of God. Uh, Let me read Isaiah chapter 60 verses 14 through 15. Go ahead and turn there. We're just reading just to close out this millennial time. Also the sons of who afflicted you shall come bowing to you. And all those who despised you shall fall prostrate at the soles of your feet. And they shall call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated so that no one went through you, I will make you an eternal excellence, a joy of many nations. Uh, Isaiah 61 Verses 10 through 11. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and has covered me with the robes of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns himself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so shall the Lord God cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. Isaiah 62, verse 1 through 5. For Zion's sake I will not hold my peace and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all kings your glory. This is talking about God's people. So this is talking about all of the resurrected saints and it's talking about those Jews that were present on the battle day of the battle of Armageddon when they were saved. It says, uh, You shall be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord will name. You will also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal a diadem in the hand of your God. 
You shall no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land any more termed desolate, but you shall be called Hezebah and your land Balah, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Hallelujah. So this is a glorious thing uh, that we have now, uh, we are now in the earth. Everyone knows who we are. Uh, they know that we have sided with the Lord. We have risen with the Lord. We are living with the Lord. Hallelujah. So the ultimate goal we know here now in coming into eternity is to restore all things before as they were before sin entered the world. So don't turn there, but I'm going to read this for you. Uh, I read it a couple uh, times back, but I just want to remind you that this is the goal of the Lord. In Acts chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, it says that He may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the time of the restoration of all things. So heaven receives Jesus until the time of the restoration of all things when Jesus comes back to the earth and things are set right. It says, which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. Hallelujah. So God again is going to have His way. Praise the Lord. All of the curse is going to be reversed. Uh, all of the things, uh, all of the sorrows and the pains and the sufferings and it's just going to be a really glorious time in the earth. And there's going to be never, ever, 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 ever a thought uh, as, to, as to was it worth it to endure what we endured. Hallelujah. Uh, for it will all be worth it. All positional truths will be realized. We will be co-heirs, seated with Christ, ruling and reigning the earth with all power, all dominion, uh, and things will be subdued to us. We will have victory and wisdom and health, glory to God. So everything that we're, everything that we're working to uh, obtain here by faith spiritually will be a reality uh, in that dispensation. Now let me just remind you, I said it last week, but since we talked again about those that are uh, rebel or those that uh, basically die because they don't follow the rules or the laws, remember that you are uh, not subject to any turning. Okay, you were sealed, uh, blameless, you were preserved uh, to God. And I've often thought about that. Their scripture doesn't really tell why that is. Uh, but the only thing I can you know, think of, again, this is, just, this is just my thought toward this, is that because we are in the earth, and right now we are in the earth where Satan is loosed, all of the demons here, there's the full curse in the earth. There's never ever another uh, dispensation really like that. And so if you can choose Christ and remain, it seems that we have done enough to prove out. And so there's something that happens to us and we're preserved. So don't ever get concerned that you're going to be one of those that, you know, you're going to have a bad day, make some bad choices, and be, and be in the wrong side of it. Not going to happen. Amen. So at the end of the millennium, there will be one more short period of rebellion. And this, I believe, is to uh, test the true hearts of those people, uh, all the natural people that are living at this time, to see if they come into a full a heart salvation. So let's read in Revelation chapter 20. So now we're at the end of the millennium. 
Revelation chapter 20, verse 7 through 10. It says, Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. Can you believe that? After living in the earth for a thousand years with the goodness of God, seeing Christ, all of His glory, all of His love, all of the righteousness, the peace, the joy, the devil is still going to have the ability to deceive. I just want you to recognize. Now, now the devil is not anything compared to God, but he is a deceiver. And he is alive today and he's working to deceive people. And so that's why we have to keep our heart on guard. We have to keep ourselves straight with the scriptures uh, so that we don't fall into any type of deception. But that he could deceive as the, as the sand of the sea. That means many, many people will be deceived again. Verse 9, And they went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from our God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and forever. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, in verse 10 where it says where the, where the uh, false prophet and the beast are, are means that they are there presently. So we know that they were thrown in the lake of fire at the end of the tribulation. And so they remain in for the thousand years. They are already burning and burning perpetually in this lake of fire that is forever and ever and ever. And so uh, here we can see Satan is loose with the demons, goes to deceive the nations. And those really who have obeyed the laws from a, a just a, I'm going to do this because I have to, have been waiting for any opportunity to not do this anymore. And so they are deceived. We know they're deceived because it brings utter destruction to them. Uh, but they are deceived uh, to go with the devil. And uh, so the, gang, the, the uh, rebels gather together. They surround the city. All the saints, they come against Christ. But praise God, God is just and God is righteous and God protects and so the fire comes down out of heaven and devours every rebel. What a sight this will be. Hallelujah. So let's talk for just a moment about the great white throne judgment. I'm not going to read it tonight, but one scripture that you can look about about those that rebel in this period is Isaiah 24, verse 21 and 22. But I want to talk now about what's going to happen, the great white throne judgment, uh, the resurrection of the wicked dead, which is also called the second resurrection. And what happens in the second resurrection is it's all those unrighteous people. It's all those that were unrighteous in the Old Testament, all those that were without Christ throughout the church age and the tribulation. It was all those who rebelled during the millennium and also those that rebelled at the end. Uh, they will be raised up with immortal bodies, so they will also get an immortal body at that time. But it is so that they can be cast into the lake of fire and burn forever perpetually. They will never die. They will always be there. So let's read about that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21. 
just a brief statement here. For since by man came death, by man capitalized, meaning Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. Turn with me over to John chapter 5. Verse 28 and 29. It says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, that's the first resurrection which included us, and then all those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Turn with me over to Revelation chapter 20. So this is what's going to happen. Revelation 20, 11 through 15. People turn this to great white throne judgment. Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. When I read that again, and it says it again and again, I go back to... This is on the opposite side of for those of us that receive Christ and have the judgment seat where we're judged by our works for good works. But it's, the Lord is just determined that this earth life that we live is so significant. And this is why again and again we're reminded of when we get saved why we don't just instantly go up to heaven. So what we do here matters. It matters for eternity, both good and bad. It matters for eternity. <clears throat> then verse 14, then death, and Hades, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So we see again, all the wicked are judged for their deeds. Their names are not in the book of life. And so they're cast into the lake of fire. And we also see that death itself and hell itself now will be cast into the lake of fire. Turn with me to Isaiah 25, verse 8. Now the lake of fire is a perpetual fire that burns forever and ever. And I'm going to show you that you can see even in talking about eternity, uh, from our viewpoint, we will see that the lake of fire still exists. So Isaiah 25, verse 8, He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, the rebuke of His people, and He will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And so this is it. This is the final judgment. It's the final say-so where the Lord says, That's it. I've done it. And He cast all of them into the lake of fire to be burned and forever and ever and ever. So once the millennium is over and this takes place, now the second resurrection of the wicked has taken place, which now leaves the saints, the natural saints, in charge of the eternal perfect earth. So we can see in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, where Jesus said we were going to inherit the earth. This is it, the restoration of all things. And now we have 
inherited the earth. Hallelujah. So now we're going to move into the new heaven and the new earth. Praise the Lord. All the wicked are gone. Praise the Lord. They have received their judgment. You know, I have people tell me sometimes, or they've asked me this question, they're like, you know, God is love and... and you know, because we're made in the image of God and we're perfected unto God, we will love perfectly in this stage. And they, and they say things like, how will we feel about that? And the way that we will feel about that is we will feel right about that. Because no one has been judged without the opportunity to make the right choice and do the right thing. And so part of God's love, we have to remember this even today, part of God's love is not just ooey-gooey, wishy-mushy, just do whatever you want, I'm going to love you. With the, that's not how God's love is. God's love is perfect. God's love is just. God's love is righteous. And so because of what His Son did uh, for mankind, when people have, have, have rebelled against that, the love of God would say, you must receive punishment. But remember, we have had long space to repent. There has been many years and many times and in the thousand years, years upon years upon years that go beyond even our thinking of how God gave people opportunity, showing them the goodness of God, the reign of God, what it's like to live with God, but yet people. And so the one thing that God never overrides is the will, the free will of man. We always have free will. Praise the Lord. So let's turn over to 2 Peter. Talk about the new heaven and the new earth. Glory to God. I'm going to get just a little bit of a running start and just remind you. At the day of the Lord, so this is this is really pre uh, new heaven and new earth. But I want to get a running start. So Second uh, Peter chapter three verse ten. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. I find this so interesting that God is writing to Christians here. And He's not just saying, oh, okay, you're saved. You received Jesus. Just, just do whatever you want. Live however you want. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he's writing this to Christians. And He's saying that this ought, when, you, when you read this, this ought to make you think what manner of person you ought to be. How you, how you, holy conduct. He's talking about how we act. How we act. Remember, we are supposed to be holy, like, not like the world. We're not supposed to be looking like the world, thinking like the world. I mean, there ought to be a distinction between the God's people and the world's people. You know? And he says, looking for the hastening and the coming of the day of God. So again, you know, we go back to the, to the rapture things and things that, that were said in that time of why we're, we're, we sure to be living ready now. Uh, living, living if Jesus was to come next week, would we be prepared? 
Would we feel like we're in the right place? Are we doing the right thing? Are we living up, you know, upright before God? It says, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, burning on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Hallelujah. So we see that there is coming a new heaven in this place called eternity. Go ahead and put up the timeline for me. And what begins in the new, this age here now that's going to be eternity, it is created by a new heaven and a new earth. Now when I say a new heaven and a new earth, uh, some people believe that it will be a totally new earth. That it won't be this earth possibly that we're in. It will be a totally new earth. Uh, there are other people that believe that it will be this earth, but this earth will be like made new. And so the reason that um, I think people could say that that's a possibility is if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that says that when we become, uh, when we receive Christ, we become a new creature, a new creation. Everybody remembers that scripture? But we know that it's like not, we don't get a new body. We don't, it's not a new person. It's just we are made new. And so there is the ability of God by His power to make something that's already present as if it's totally new. And so, you know, but we are getting a new heaven and a new earth. Glory to God. Jesus did say in Matthew 24, 35, that heaven and earth will pass away. So let's read about this for just a moment. Revelation 21. So we are now moving into eternity. The new heaven and the new earth. Remember the... Uh, the earth was one time destroyed before in the days of Noah and it was destroyed by the flood and the Lord made a promise. He made a promise. It's in the Bible. He made a promise to His people that He would never again destroy the earth by the flood. And we actually have a, we actually have a visible sign of that. Uh, we don't have very many of those really. But God made a visible sign to man in making the rainbow in saying that he agreed that he would never again flood the earth. So the new earth is going to come by fire. Hallelujah. I love that because it's fire of the Holy Ghost. Uh, you know, the, and the Holy Ghost was involved in, in creating the earth and, and the beauty of it in the beginning when God spoke, you know. Uh, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the, over the deep of the earth and, and the face and He was waiting for the Word of God. And so it's just going to be a glorious thing, this new earth. So let's read about some things that we can see here. Revelation 21. Now we're going to read uh, quite a bit of Revelation here, 21. So just bear with me. But the scriptures here, they speak for themselves, kind of. So it'll be good to read it. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 7. Now I saw... This is John getting a revelation, of course, that we know from Jesus. He said, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the host, holy city the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adored for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. Hallelujah. So we see that the physical heaven that is now in the third heaven which we can't see visibly, 
is actually going to come down into the earth. And it says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then he sh- And then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And he who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he will be my son." So this tells us again from the first verse of this that there will at this time be physical changes in the earth. Uh, This talks about the eternal habitation of God where He currently sits on His throne is now going to come uh, into the earth. It's going to move into the earth. Uh, Let's look at Revelation. I'm going to read Revelation 21.8 just so that you can see this because it it has to do with at the end. It says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So this is just a reminder that no one that is evil is is in the earth and allowed to, to be in the new heaven and the new earth. Revelation 21 verse 9 through 13. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, Come and I will show you the bride and the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and a high mountain and he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And she also had a grate and a high wall with twelve gates and twelve angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. So this is just, he's getting a glimpse of what... The heavenly city, the holy city, which is where we live. We as the resurrected saints live in the city with God. You remember in the millennium, uh, everybody was outside the city. It was only us that was living in the city with God. But we just get a glimpse of here of the glory that all of the city is filled with the glory of God. Uh, Revelation 21, let's pick up in verse 14. It says, Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the name of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furloughs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal." Then he measured its wall, 144 cubics, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. When I think of this, I just think of the most uh, amazing and just splendid. Just like today, if you could take the, the richest of the, of the richness 
and put it in a place. This is what the city will be like. <laughs> because it represents our God. Hallelujah. And it goes on in verse 19. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. Then it begins to name the various stones. And then in verse 21 it says the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Also let's read uh, closing out Revelation 21 verses 22 through 27. But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Now it's talking about it, the, the not, there's not a physical temple uh, where people are, are to go, but rather the, the God and the Lord Himself are visible. It says, The city had no need for the sun or for the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. And if you remember back in, in the creation of the earth, some people maybe haven't pieced this together, but in the creation of the earth, in the beginning when it says the earth was void and dark, dark and the Holy Spirit was hovering and it was waiting for the, the word of the Lord and the Lord said, let there be light and light came. But if you read that in Genesis 1, actually it was not over until uh, further later, probably Genesis 3, uh, where the sun and the moon were not created yet. The sun and the moon was not... When God said, let there be light, it was not the sun and the moon that caused light to come in. It was the glory of God. It was the glory of God. The light of God lit up the whole world. The glory of God. This is the restoration of God that now the glory of God will light up the whole world. We will not need the sun and the moon. Hallelujah. Glory and, and the fact that the glory of God, that light, has already risen upon us, that we live in the glory of that light. How could we be depressed? How could we be sad? How could we be down? Glory to God. Verse 23, the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. Again, looks like people are living outside of the city. At this time, this is what that, that would make reference to. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter into it. Now listen to this. Anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. <clears throat> So it's very interesting, right? Uh, turn with me over to Revelation chapter 22. So we see God's capital. Heaven moves into the earth, the new earth. Now there's the new Jerusalem, the holy city. All the resurrection saints and the, or the rulers of the kingdom live inside the city with God. And so what about those natural saints? Where are they living? Well, we're not real sure. The scripture, the scripture doesn't really tell. Two different views on that. But that, this scripture here in Revelation makes it appear as if 
There's still, there's still people living outside the city and coming into it in the new heaven and the new earth. So I, t- I tend to side with what I said earlier, which is that the resurrected saints, those who were resurrected in the first resurrection, went up into heaven and were all uh, preserved blameless unto God and married and came back to rule with Him, still abide in the city. And it seems as all those are still, others are still outside the city, although it's wonderful there. The glory of God still lights it. There's, there's perpetual prosperity. There's joy. There's peace. There's only everything that is God. So let's see uh, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. We're in the new heaven and the new earth. And he showed me a pure river of water, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So there is a river of life. Hallelujah. And it says, In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. They they have neither of a lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Turn with me over to Revelation 2. A couple things that we can see happens here uh, for the resurrected saints. Revelation 2, 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. I will give him a, a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which... No one knows except him who receives it. So there's something of this hidden manna, the white stone. There's there's not a lot of talked about what this means, what this, but it's something obviously very special to God. Uh, Turn with me over to Revelation chapter 3. Verse 12, it says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And this is why why we know that this is in the new heaven and the new earth. And it says, And he will go out no more. So it's very clear that the resurrected saints do not ever live outside of the holy city. And he says, I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. And so what happens is when the new heaven comes out into the new earth, there is a a union of the heaven and the earth, and they are not separated anymore. They are are together, invisible uh, for all to see. Praise the Lord. Okay, now let me just mention this. I mentioned earlier about the lake of fire and how it was perpetual and how we knew that it lasts forever Like it doesn't just go away when the new heaven and the new earth come. Let me show you where we can read about that. Turn with me to Isaiah 66. So the lake of fire which holds the devil, the beast, the false prophet, and all the wicked dead, and death itself, and hell itself, is a perpetual fire that burns forever as long as the new heaven and the new earth are here, and it is a visible lake of fire. 
that people in the new earth can see. Look at this in Isaiah 66, verse 22. It says, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. means it's forever, eternity. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. They shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. And so there, it seems to be in the earth some type of a visible place Remember, they were res- the wicked were resurrected, the resurrection of the wicked or the resurrection of the dead, to get immortal bodies so that they can be put into the lake of fire, which burns forever. And now we see that there is a visible place in the earth where we, anybody that's in the earth, can see as a reminder, as a reminder what it was like to not choose God, as a reminder of what it was to not choose Christ. Could be that this is part of our uh, perpetual vindication. Remember how when I was going back through the Battle of Armageddon and then the Millennium, how the Lord was saying that justice would be served and you would be vindicated. So it could be that, a perpetual vindication. I had a thought today. I've never had this thought before. I haven't studied it out. I don't know if it's in there because if it's in there, I probably would have already known it. But I, I just... I just wondered, kind of like back in the day when uh, paradise was down in the depths of hell and the wicked could see, see in. That would be part of our vindication. Hallelujah. So it's possible that has something to do with it. But it, there is a place, and so we just need to know again how, how God says... The righteous will be raised and the wicked will be slayed. Hallelujah. So now in relation to eternity, I'm going to close out with this. In relation to eternity, there are two theories of what it is life. uh, Once all of this takes place and now things are this way, the new heaven, the new earth. uh, What is life going forward? Here are the two theories. Uh, As far as I can tell... I do not see that one theory is more probable than the other. Okay? Uh, One theory is that uh, the heaven and the earth continues on as in the Garden of Eden, where the natural saints, those that are not the resurrected saints, those that are not living in the holy city, continue to marry, replenish the earth, with us still ruling and reigning, where people can still be saved. There is no devil to tempt, but people would still have a free will. Some people believe that the perpetual lake of fire is visible so that the natural saints can see the consequence of what it is to choose to rebel. But there is no devil, so there is no deception. Uh, And so that's just kind of, and then so life just goes that way. Just continues to go, just continues to go, just continues to go. 
And then the other theory is that uh, there is some type of a natural change uh, for the natural saints, uh, for the natural people that are born, have been born and are in the earth at this time, living outside the city, that there's some type of a change for them in glorification and that uh, the earth is then set. And when they say it's set, it means no more people being born, no more replenishing of the earth. It's just that is the earth. That's it. Whoever's there is there. You know, God has his family, and it's set, and this is how eternity goes. And it's really not clear from the scriptures. Uh, I do know that the people that believe that people will continue to marry and have children and it will continue on. There, there's a particular scripture that they use as a basis for that belief. But I also believe it's, it's possible from some of the other things that, you know, the others possible also. But the glorious thing is, for everybody that is sitting in this room, you will not be in the, you will not be in the state of the natural. You either have the decision now to come on board, receive Christ, live a holy life, go in the rapture, be preserved blameless, come back with the Jesus to the earth, rule and reign forever. And really what goes on outside the city, it's all just going to be wonderful and glorious. really doesn't affect us that much anyway. Or, or, or you have the decision to not receive Christ. And then you will find yourself in hell, and then eventually in the lake of fire. And it is that way. It is that way. Everybody will be one or the other. And uh, you, you don't want to be on the wrong side of that, as we know. But now we are into the eternity, and things are wonderful, and all I know is that it's going to be good, and it's going to be perfect, and it's going to anything that we've ever had to endure is going to all be worth it. Hallelujah. And so uh, turn with me over to Revelation. We're going to close with these two scriptures. But we can see that our journey as a saint is complete. We are now in the, in the heaven and the earth for eternity. We live forever with God in total glory. And so I want to close with a recap of what Jesus said uh, at the close of the book of the Revelation. In Revelation 22, 12, Jesus said this, And behold, I am coming quickly. The one who could never lie. He sees that it's coming quickly. He said, Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me. To give to everyone according to his work. Revelation 22, verse 20. And he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we have a hope for a glorious future with God and the family of God forever and ever. Isn't this wonderful? So we need to be ready, church. Come on. Remember, the rapture can take place at any time. We're not waiting on anything. We got to be ready. We got to live ready and know that our reward is at hand. Hallelujah. And I know we're going to get wonderful, heavenly reward and live in the eternity of it, but I just want to get it on the record that there's no reward in this earth that is like the reward of living in the will of God.
Come on, there's nothing like living in this place with God where we can already. Even in the, the trials and the tribulations and the, and the hardship of this earth that we can still have righteousness, peace and joy every single day. We can have God, we can know the love of God, the goodness of God and live with God every day. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you happy? Are you happy? Praise the Lord. Well, we're done. And now we're in eternity. And all is well. Praise God. Hallelujah. Woo, it might be another 17 years before I do this again. But it's exciting. It's this exciting. These are exciting things. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. There is a reward. There is a reward for living, for choosing Jesus. And for serving Jesus, there is a reward. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life, and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.